0: The text that I will preach from this morning is, is a little bit early for the season. It's not really an Advent reading. You'd expect to hear it more on Christmas Eve or in the Christmas pageant. But it's a passage from the Gospel of Matthew that speaks of Joseph. And I'll say more in the context of the sermon, but Luke is the more familiar Christmas story to all of us, Matthew a little less so. The Gospels of Mark and John, as you've heard us say many times, have no birth story whatsoever. But this one is an excerpt from the beginning, near the beginning of the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. This ends the reading from the Gospel of Matthew. And may these words, which once transformed the disciples' hearts, transform ours as well. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. Amen. I'm just gonna say this. It's not easy being Joseph. It isn't easy being Joseph. I know that for a fact because 26 years ago, I was Joseph in the Christmas pageant. (laughs) Claire was Mary. Our daughter Jess was five months old and the baby Jesus. It's not easy being Joseph and I know that because my task that day at both services, I will add, was identical to the Josephs of every generation, of every pageant, of every year. I was to stand by the manger stoically, helplessly. And what must be a gift to every pregnant woman's life, I was to be mute. Were you to give me a pitchfork and overalls and wire-rimmed glasses, I was the man in American Gothic. In 30 years of ministry, I've seen so many iterations of Joseph. One time, I saw such an emotional Joseph. This wasn't a pageant here, but it was in my wife's family's annual Christmas pageant at the Lake Home. And... One of our 12-year-old nephews at the time, who's now 30, was Joseph, and he wept. He wept. Because his cousin, the innkeeper, in a great emphatic moment, I kid you not, slammed his door in the hand of the inn. (laughs) I saw a useful Joseph one year. You don't find many of those. And it was maybe 15 years ago, in yet another Christmas pageant, and... And our baby Jesus that day was wailing, the whole service, wailing. I mean, you thought to yourself, where is the Jesus of silent night?
1: That's why we use a doll now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But the one, you know, no crying he makes. Not this baby Jesus. And then came the majestic moment of the procession of the wise men, bearing gold, the first, and frankincense. And literally, honest to goodness, instead of myrrh, the final one opened his plastic treasure chest with a bottle of formula inside. <laughs> and Joseph, the finely useful Joseph, removed it with, with dignity and placed it into the mouth of the wailing ersatz messiah. (laughs) In the Gospel of Matthew begins. The birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before she was found to be with child, Joseph resolved to divorce her quietly. And that's how the Gospel of Matthew describes the beginning of the miraculous story. It's quite different from the Gospel of Luke. I mentioned that you're probably more familiar with the Gospel of Luke because if we were to have read the whole Christmas story, the birth narrative as it's called in Matthew, there would be no census where all the world was to be enrolled. You would be wondering, where's the stable? Where's the manger? Where are those shepherds who are supposed to be keeping watch over our cars by night? Where are the angels singing peace? Not there. Those are the grand and poetic pieces of the Gospel of Luke's puzzle of the birth of Jesus. (coughs) But Matthew's version, on the other hand, comes wrapped, well on our front doorstep like a plain brown box from Amazon. You're going to have to decide if you wish to open it. There's no stable, there's no census, there are no shepherds. Those are all in Luke. And in Luke, most of the focus, and almost exclusively, is on Mary, so it's only, it's only in the Gospel of Matthew that we really get to have a glimpse of Joe. But what we know is that he was unwilling to disgrace Mary. And so despite the fact that he had every legal right to end the relationship, he at first decides, I'm going to do it quietly. I mean, he's, he's got some class, right? He's going to keep it out of the trib and the doings. And don't kid me, I know you read the police beaten doings. I know you do, every week. But a messenger enters from stage left of the pageant. And in a dream, it's a dream, the angel simply suggests that Joseph not be afraid to step into the chaos, into the mess. And Joseph elects to salvage Mary's reputation and declares the child to be his. And we know the story, the child is to be born and he is named Joshua, right? Joshua, that's Jesus' Jewish name. There's no Jesus in Hebrew. Jesus is an English translation of the Latin version of Jesus' name, which is Joshua. Now, it's a very important name. It wasn't picked by Mary and Joseph out of the most popular birth names in the year zero book or anything like that. Joshua means God will save us. Luke, Luke, the grand and poetic vision, is, of course, on Mary. But Matthew focuses on Joe. Huh. You should know that maybe, gosh, 10, 15 years ago, I preached on Joseph a different time, and uh, the sermon title was The Man Who Loved Mary. But because of one single typo in the office, it changed the whole nature of my sermon because I looked in the bulletin that morning and it said, The man who loved many. (laughs) So I've waited a while before I could really (laughs) preach about Joseph again. But my sense is that Joseph, in the Gospel of Matthew, provides us with some, maybe some clues, even some guidance, as as to who you and I might be in Advent. Because my sense is that Joseph, of all the the characters, the actors in the Christmas pageant, Joseph might be, male or female, the one who is most like the most of us. He's pretty ordinary. When I was Joseph, I wore this drab brown robe that I remember looking out over the congregation and thinking, I'll bet just weeks ago this robe was somebody's really ugly curtains. Joseph is plain old Joe. However, when given a chance to step up and follow a God who can make something good out of a mess, he does. He follows a God who says, do not fear. He was, I suppose, to use an old-fashioned word, rather brave. And by trusting in God, we need to remember that by trusting in God, Joseph doesn't save the day, but he merely seeks to live in the day faithfully. Joseph might be like us in yet another way. After two brief visits from an angel, remember, they're in a dream. Joseph, at least it never says so in the gospel, Joseph never hears directly from God again. I mean, in the years that follow, Joseph apparently was only privy to the silence of God. We don't know. Did he pray to God how to deal with Jesus during his terrible twos? Or or did he stay up late at night wondering, boy, when will Jesus be home? He's got the horse and the cart out and I'm worried. He hears only the silence of God. And maybe, maybe that's how Joseph is like you and like me. He's an important reminder to us that when God is quiet, we still might learn to listen for God in the silence. I do have a hunch. I'm guessing that God won't speak to most of us in a dream this Advent. Yet I wonder that if God is still not speaking to us in quiet and on this Sunday hopeful ways, maybe in a beautiful anthem that reminds us of Jesus who is coming, maybe it's in a moment of quiet and you're hoping, maybe it's in simply the flicker of a candle. God is speaking in the quiet And just as God said to Joseph, do not fear the chaos. So, if God does seem distant or quiet in this Advent season, think of Joseph. Think of the man who loved Mary. A decent man who decided to live with the chaos But more importantly, to be faithful to the promise of hope. A promise whom Joseph named Joshua. God will save us. Which might mean simply to you and to me, do not fear. And remember, just because God is quiet does not mean that God is silent. Amen.